Coming to you from the Philadelphia area, this is the Westchester Church Podcast. Check us out at westchestercfc.com. Westchestercfc.com. So the title for the sermon this morning is Pray Like a Jew. The greatest things in my life are the direct results of the power of God through prayer. The greatest things in your life are the direct result of the power of God through prayer. And isn't it a remarkable thought that the creator of the universe who spoke a world into existence cares about our prayers, wants to know what is on our minds and on our hearts even though he knows it before we say it is ready and is eager and is anxious to go to work in our lives in the ways that we invite him to. As we said last week out of the book of James, it says resist the devil and then an incredible promise is made that if we resist the devil, he will flee from you. That is a powerful, beautiful promise made to us. But then James goes on and he makes an even more powerful, bold promise As he says, draw near to God. And if we will draw near to God, God is going to draw near to us. And I mean, with all of this being true, we would think that we would be drawing near to God as if there were no tomorrow. We would expect that we would be praying, as the scripture says, without ceasing. But so often our human struggle is, is that we do the opposite of that. It's almost like we have a reluctance. We have a hesitancy not to get too close to God throughout our day. It kind of feels like some chore that we just want to keep putting off and we just don't want to do. And we go at the very worst that this world has to throw at us on our own strength and power. And yet regardless of the reasoning and the rationale behind why we so often have a tendency of reverting to this way of life, James also goes on and he says in his book that you do not have because you do not ask. As we sang earlier this morning in the old hymn, Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. There was an old Dutch watchmaker and a Christian writer whose name was Corey Ten Boom. And, and what she says is, is that when a Christian shuns fellowship with other Christians, well, Satan smiles. When a Christian stops reading through the scriptures, the devil laughs. And yet when a Christian stops praying altogether, the devil shouts for joy. I remember many years ago, the American church was was just beside themselves. Oh my goodness, they have taken prayer out of schools and we have got to get it back in schools. We have to get prayer back in schools. And yet you know... I would be happy if we could just get prayer back in our homes, in our marriages, in our everyday lives. 
It's one thing to pray about how awful other people are, but, but how long has it been since we prayed the prayer of the publican Jesus speaks about? Who can't even lift his head to the clouds, but, but rather as he prays, he just beat his chest. He says, oh Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. See, I believe that before churches can spread and can grow numerically, first, each and every single one of us has to grow spiritually within our own selves. Luke chapter 11 and verse 1. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Just as John taught his disciples to pray. Verse 2, when Jesus said to them, when you pray, say. And then Jesus gives his disciples and he gives you and he gives me a pattern for Christ-like prayer. He gives us a recipe and an example of the kind of prayer that will change this world forever the way that he envisions it to be. Where the example that he gives us starts and it ends with, with having reverence. As he says, Father, hallowed be your name. He then goes on and he speaks about having a purpose of God in our own hearts rather than our own purpose. Your kingdom come, Jesus says. Jesus gives us the example of having a dependency on God for, for all of our needs and necessities of life. As he says, give us this day our daily bread. As Jesus says elsewhere, that whenever you pray to the Father, forgive, forgive, forgive. We need to be forgiving other people, but we especially need to be forgiving our own selves, don't we? And the example Jesus gives us is forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who have it. Or as we forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And then Jesus provides us the example of, of having strength from God to resist the evil one. As Jesus says, and lead us not into temptation. Or in other words, Lord, help me to resist Satan. I want to draw near to you instead. That is the example and the pattern of prayer that Jesus lays down to us here. And yet I think it really goes without saying, though, that before we can learn how to pray, first we really have to learn what prayer is not. I think it's very inevitable that we're all going to pray in these ways that I'm about to mention, but, but that's okay, it's just a part of growing up. What matters is that we learn and that we reach a point where we begin praying to God in the way Jesus lays out here. For example, when we pray to God, we are not speaking to a magic genie. I think a lot of people and a lot of us, as we learn how to pray, we begin praying in this way where we make a request, we have three wishes. And as soon as we make that request, it's just a snap of the finger, poof, and we've got that wish in our hands. 
God, I want a Rolls Royce. Poof, you look out the window, you've got a brand new Rolls Royce sparkling in the driveway. It's like, cool. A woman says, Lord, I want a husband. And poof, Channing Tatum is standing in her driveway. He's got a dozen red roses. God, prayer is just so great. Well, that's not exactly the way that prayer works, is it? No. A person often prays, God, please cure my loved one of cancer. And sometimes they recover and they're in remission, but sometimes they succumb to it. And they do not recover from their cancer. So is it, well, prayer just doesn't work? Well, obviously not. Prayer is not going to a magical genie. When we approach God's throne of grace, we are also not sitting on Santa Claus's lap. And I think this is the one that I am most guilty of in the past, where, where, my, where, where almost every prayer that I was praying began and it ended with, God, give me, 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 give me. Well, request certainly is a part of our prayers, but, but it is not the reason why we pray. Christian prayer also is not rolling a dice at a Las Vegas casino. And that's because prayer is not a superstitious institution. Where it's like we got a lucky rabbit's foot in our left hand and our right hand. We got a, um, a pair of dice and we're just rolling. Come on, daddy needs a new pair of shoes. And we make our prayer request. And obviously that's not how prayer works either. As I mentioned a moment ago, a lot of times we might often look at prayer as if it is some nagging household chore that we just keep putting off. Oh, I got to paint the house, you know. And about eight months goes by and it's still not painted, but then eventually, like three years later, when you absolutely have to and you have no other choice, then we get around to praying when it's an emergency, perhaps. And also prayer is not Shakespeare in the park. What I mean by that is, as Jesus says elsewhere in the Sermon on the Mount, he says that, that when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases, thinking that you will be heard for your many words. Now, when I was younger, I used to misunderstand what Jesus meant. Oh, so I guess that means that we're not allowed to pray long prayers. Every prayer just has to be about eight seconds long, and then it's over, but... Jesus is not outlawing long prayers. I mean, Jesus spent an entire night in prayer once. But rather, what Jesus is addressing is the attitude of prayer. As many scribes and Pharisees had been praying, but, but only to impress other people with their pious eloquence. It was all just, just, just one huge elaborate show. Jesus says, please don't pray like that anymore. I'm going to give you a better way to pray. And so there's a lot of ways that we should not pray, but like anything else, though, learning to pray well is something that requires time and maturity. When many of us have been little, we learn how to pray through our father and our mother, perhaps a Bible school teacher, who would very gently and very sweetly pray in a child's voice with a child's vocabulary. We learn how to pray prayers like that long enough, but, but as we begin growing up, though, we reach a point where now we need to have our own faith. Many of us then begin to pray into just 
inch our toes into the water of prayer and say, God, are you there? God, if you are really out there, I, I need your help. I need strength and I need power. God, help me. And yet I got to a point, not that long ago in fact, where I realized that, that while I could usually pray in the worship assembly, Monday through Saturday, I really didn't know how to pray. I mean, I'm the son of a minister. I, I had a Bible in my hand from the crib, and, and I was a minister of my own self, and I didn't know how to pray to God on the weekdays. And then finally, last October, I, you know, just this huge watershed moment in my life where, where I learned how to pray. And not just pray, but I learned how to start praying like a Jew. What I mean by that is that it is Christian prayer, but with a Hebrew spirit. It is Christian prayer that is deeply connected with the roots where all of this started. And that is with that Hebrew heart and mind. Jewish prayer is poetic. I don't know if you've ever heard a Jewish person pray, but, but so often it takes on the wings of melody and its song. And it's like they are praying with a song rather than just praying in words. It is a song more than a prayer. A Jewish prayer is really heartfelt and passionate. As we read all throughout the Word of God, it says in the book of Genesis that, that Abraham fell on his face and he prayed to God. Exodus says Moses fell flat on his face and he prayed to God. Joshua fell flat on his face and he prayed to God. Matthew chapter 26, Jesus fell flat on his face and he prayed and he poured his heart out to God. Falling flat on our faces isn't exactly the custom of us Americans, though, is it? Getting on our knees is a little bit beneath us. We like to stand up nice and tall and, and pretend like we have everything together. In Jewish prayer, though, is just so utterly beautiful where, where it just humbles ourselves and we remind ourselves that He is God and that we are just dust. We are utterly helpless without his power in us. Jewish prayer is passionate, but it's also blunt. <laughs> A fiddler on the roof, Reb Tevia, prays his prayer. and He says, dear God, did you really have to pick today of all days to give me news like this? Now, I know, I know, we are your chosen people. Yet I'm just wondering, sometimes, couldn't you choose somebody else? <laughs> that is Jewish prayer. It's just so utterly candid and honest and blunt, and I love that. And I have learned to begin praying like that. Jewish prayer is very incessant. Not to get crass, but Jewish people have a prayer for everything, even using the restroom. They have a prayer. God, I'm so grateful that I am in good health, and I'm not going to elaborate on the rest, but Jewish people are just so in love with speaking to their God that they have a prayer for everything. 
Or twice a day the ancients prayed, at least twice a day, maybe three times a day, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And, and imagine what our hearts would be like if we were to start praying that twice a day, every day. In the late first century, early second century, Christians likewise have been instructed to also pray the Lord's Prayer every morning, afternoon, and night. And yet I want to go even deeper, though, this morning. And really what I want to emphasize is that if we want to learn how to pray well, as we see in our text in Luke chapter 11, we've got to go to the master and to the expert himself. Now I find it so fascinating in Luke chapter 11 that, I mean, these are, are the apostles that we're speaking about here. And these are guys who have seen Jesus with their own eyes cleanse lepers raise the dead, walk on water, preach the Sermon on the Mount, heal those who had been sick and lame, drive out demons. And yet notice, though, that they are not asking Jesus, Lord, show us how to perform miracles. Lord, we want you to show us how to preach. They never ask Jesus any of those questions, but, but rather what they say to him is, Lord, teach us how to pray. You see, his disciples recognized that by far the most incredible thing about Jesus that they wanted for their own everyday lives was, Lord, teach us how to pray the way that you pray. And in the Gospel of Luke, I mean, Jesus is always praying, isn't he? When Jesus had been baptized, he was praying, and the heavens were open, Luke 3.21. Jesus went out on the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God, Luke 6, 12. Now, as he was praying alone, his disciples were with him, Luke 9, 18. Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, and he went up on the mountain in order to pray, Luke 9, 28. And yet Jesus would often withdraw to lonely places and pray, Luke chapter 5 and verse 16. I mean, that changed my life forever. Jesus would often withdraw to lonely places and pray. See, the example that he is giving to us there is that go to a place in order to pray where you can't be reached. As you pray to God, go to a place where, where nothing and nobody can possibly interrupt you for those however long you're going to pray. As you pray, I, I imagine he would say in 2021, shut off your iPhone. Unplug all of the televisions in your house. Get as far away from any interruptions as you can and pray to where it is just you and your God. And all of a sudden, everything else in the world is secondary. And yet slowly but surely, though, in the book of Acts especially, we see his, his disciples slowly begin to start learning how to pray like Jesus. Lord, show us how to pray. And if we ask Jesus, we will receive. Well, as we come to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 4, John and Peter have just been arrested. And they're standing before the Jewish magistrates. And they issue ominous warnings to them. 
And they say, if we even hear about you even whispering the name of Jesus in your house ever again, let alone anywhere else, well, it's not going to look too good for you. And I mean, you would imagine that after receiving ominous warnings of this magnitude, they would have been freaking out. They would have gone back to, to all the other Christians and said, well, well, I guess we just need to stop praying to Jesus and stop living for him and stop spreading his gospel. And rather, look at their attitude where, where their instantaneous response in Acts chapter 4, verse 24, reads as follows. And when they had heard it, they lifted their voices together to God. And I especially want to highlight the, how the very end of their prayer, verse 31, after they, they absolutely pour every drop of their soul out to God in prayer. Verse 31 of Acts 4 says, And when they had prayed, the place in which they had gathered together was shaken. Walls were reverberating. The, the ground was, was shaking and rocking. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they continued to speak the word of God with all boldness. This is what happens when we learn to pray with the Hebrew spirit. But not just the Hebrew spirit, but to pray with the Hebrew spirit of Jesus. Acts chapter 12, the apostle James is executed by King Herod. It looks like Simon Peter is next on the chopping block. And notice what the instantaneous reaction by the church is in Acts chapter 12 and verse 5. Where it says, and so Peter was being kept in prison, but earnest prayer for Peter was being made to God by the church. And there are no words that are scarier to the ears of Satan than that. But earnest prayer for him was being made by God to the church. And when they pray with this beautiful Christ-like faith and optimism and, and fearlessness, God moves heaven and earth and he gets Peter out of his predicament. Peter walks in and they're still praying. They're still saying, God, set Peter free, and he's standing right at the door saying, I'm right here. That's what happens when we learn to pray like Jesus. I think about Paul and Silas, how they have been beaten, thrown into a jail in ancient Philippi. And yet their instantaneous reaction is, it is after midnight. It says, rather than complaining or despairing, it says, Paul and Silas... We're praying to God and singing hymns of praise to their creator. God moves heaven and earth and gets them out of their predicament then. And yet lastly this morning, what I want to impress on our hearts though, is what I believe is the most important aspect of what prayer is. And that is, is that prayer is not us making requests to, to God. That's, that's a part of it, but it's not what it is. But rather, prayer is about being properly formed. Where the most literal meaning of the word prayer in the Greek scriptures is to exchange human desires. That's what prayer means. Prayer is so much more than, than just merely speaking to God in our broom closet. 
Prayer is having our minds and our attitudes change. Prayer is having our hearts transformed to look like Jesus. Prayer is when we enter with, with all of the bitterness, all of the rage and despair and anxiety of our world. And emerging out of that time of prayer with the currency of love, joy, and peace of God the Father, of God the Son, and of God the Holy Spirit in us. Prayer is not barking our wish list to a cosmic Santa Claus. Prayer is replacing our human desires and slowly but surely beginning to live for the desires of Jesus Christ. Last October, I attended a prayer school that had been taught by a mentor of mine whose name is Brian Zahn. He's a minister in St. Joseph, Missouri. And he introduced me to a morning prayer to pray every single day. And at 36 years old, something dramatically changed in my life. And that something was, I was beginning to learn how to pray. I mean, really pray, pray, pray. With the Hebrew spirit. With the heart of Christ. And among the things that he had said in his prayer school was this, that, that the most important factor in our lives is learning how to pray. How we pray is how we are formed. You see, what he introduced me to in this prayer school was a very beautiful and a very rich structure of prayer following what Jesus gave to his disciples. Where we begin, and it's about worshiping God with reverence, reminding ourselves of, of who we are speaking to, being made aware that we are kneeling on holy ground, it's a prayer that lives for God's purposes. It's a prayer of dependency upon His blessings and provision for everything that we need in life. It's a prayer of forgiveness for those who we have wronged and those who have wronged us. And it is a prayer of strength to resist the evil one. But having said that, though, it took a lot of time, though. There are a lot of people who would look at the prayer that I have started praying every day as liturgy. Like a lot of you, I grew up in a church environment that said liturgy is just people praying or, or reading dead prayers that are fake. And I thought that for my whole entire life. But what I learned is that we all have a prayer liturgy. Every single one of us has a prayer liturgy, and in order to know what our liturgy is, all we have to do is just listen to how we pray out loud. And for my whole entire life, what more or less what my prayer liturgy was is that, Lord, I thank you for the food. God, please keep us safe. Give me, give me, give me, give me this, give me that, and bring our troops home safely. Amen. There's nothing wrong in praying that, but if that's all our prayers are, no wonder our churches are smaller than they've ever been. 
And that's how I prayed for so many years. And by the way, I realized that kind of prayer, that is what is dead. That is dead prayer right there. So what I did slowly but surely, and I'm still in the process of it, of course, now, but, but I began replacing that childish, haphazard prayer with a theologically crafted, time-tested prayer in its place. Where now what I do every single morning is, is I'm drawing near to God in worship. I'm crying out to him with the same borrowed words of scripture that the ancient Israelites chanted to God. And as I pray, I chant it as well. As I cry out to God, I, I am confessing my faith in him out loud. I am confessing my sins out loud to him. I am crying out to him from the depths of my soul. God, help me, help me, help me. And the most beautiful ending to every prayer is the prayer of the publican. God, have mercy on me. Where I say, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. I mean, it was very awkward learning how to pray in this brand new way. I felt like a four-year-old boy who had a toy phone in his hand, imagining that, that he was having a telephone call with somebody, learning how to speak on the phone. You know? I felt like a six-year-old boy riding a bike that had training wheels on it. It was very awkward at first. And yet I stuck with it and I prayed every single day, even when I didn't feel like praying. And within a couple of weeks, suddenly it wasn't quite as awkward as it once was. Within a month, now it was what I was waking up to do. It was getting me out of bed and it was the highlight of my day. Within six months, I began writing my own prayers and, and I made it my, you know, my very own liturgy. You know? And now nearly a year later, now as I pray in this way, I have this overwhelming understanding of the presence of God. And it is revolutionizing my life. You can ask Amanda, I am a lot calmer than I've ever been. I am more generous and more content. And it is a result, it is a direct result of learning how to pray with a Hebrew spirit. Learning how to pray like a Jew, and that Jew being Jesus. And yet by far, my favorite part of these morning prayers is contemplative prayer. Whereas you pray right in the middle of your prayer time in the morning, you just go silent. You, you are no longer speaking. And it might be on a passage that speaks about Jesus. It might be about the love of Jesus. But, but for a few minutes, you just sit with Jesus in absolute silence. And you just sit with him. And as I did that earlier on this morning, I was so moved that I began to weep. I could literally feel the, the chill-inducing presence of Jesus Christ all around me. I could literally feel the brush of the angel's wing on my face. 
And that's because beautiful things happen when we learn to pray, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me in order that I might have mercy on my beloved fellow man. Now, I am by no stretch of the imagination an expert in prayer. I'm not saying that how this is the only way that we are to pray. And if you don't, well, you're just not a real Christian. I'm not saying any of that. And yet what I am, am going to share with you all in just a moment, I have a copy for everybody, is just a very well-structured prayer. And as I distributed to everybody this morning, I just want to, to invite us to what I was invited to last October. And yet for some of you, what you need to do and, and, and really how that looks like for you this morning is to pray, God, are you there? Maybe you don't know God yet. Maybe you, you've never been to the waters of baptism. And I mean, we all have to start somewhere. Maybe how this looks like for you is just to pray, God, if you were there, I need you more than I ever have before. And get ready to be amazed at how God answers that kind of prayer. <laughs> and yet for all the rest of us, though, what I want to invite you to is, is to experiment praying in this way. Where what I have for us is, is a morning, midday, and evening prayer. Now, now in the midday and in the evening, it's, it's a lot shorter, obviously. But, but in the morning, though, we just spend however long it is. And then at the very end, man, what a difference it makes. And at the end of the prayer, then your day begins. And now you feel like just loving the world for Jesus. And so I want to invite you to edit my prayer. Make it shorter. Make it longer. Keep it just exactly as it is, but, but make it your own prayer. Pray it every single day with all of your heart. And I promise you, we will be brand new people if we do that. No prayer is not about being more pious and religious than other people. Prayer is about transformation. Prayer is about changing and no longer being who we used to be. And so my friends, pray with the Hebrew spirit. Pray like a Jew. And let's start praying. Let's start shaking the walls of this church building and in our homes and in our marriages by praying like Jesus.